You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Episode 106, Lilo and Stitch, the Bait and Stitch. Hi guys, it's me, Sadness, and I'm here to talk about the newest uh, episode of the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, Lilo and Stitch, episode 106, can't believe it's been that long. Anyways, like I said, I'm your host, Sadness, and I'm here with my other co-host, the Blue Fairy, it's really nice, and my other friend, who gets me, No Face. No Face doesn't talk. Sen! I'll get you, Sen! <laughs> Hello, guys. <laughs> well, this episode, oh. if you are listening on the audio version... We are all dressed up in various costumes for our live stream. I am dressed. I am Morgan Stradling. I am dressed as Sadness. Chelsea Robson is dressed as the Blue Fairy, and of course, the wonderful Mason Smith uh, did, apparently did his costume in about five minutes, and he is no face. I did. Uh, every visualization student knows that you need white foam core and sharpies whenever you need them, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> so here I am. Yeah. Um, gloves courtesy of my wife and hoodie courtesy of whatever their workshop they made it. <laughs> Even though we're not doing a Halloween-esque or scary movie for this episode, this is kind of our Halloween episode since that's why we decided to dress up. Um, you know, we did do Hotel Transylvania and Hotel Transylvania 2 the past two episodes, so those kind of count as our spooky episodes for the month. But this episode, we are just doing something really fun. We are talking about Disney's Lilo and Stitch, which is one of the most requested films that we've had in recent time. So I'm actually really excited to talk about it because this film has a huge following, a huge fan base. Um, didn't necessarily leave its mark uh, in the way that most or some other Disney animated films have. However, I still think it's really uh, a good one to talk about. So I'm excited that this was the patron choice for this episode. Yeah, good job, patrons. And confession, I don't know if it's the 100th episode, but this is one of like the surprisingly many animated films I had never seen before this episode. <laughs> I'm glad that we can finally knock this one off your list. Uh, you know, this... Stitch version. <laughs> yeah. So at, with the Rotoscopers, with the Animation Addicts podcast, what we do is we go through in-depth discussion about all of these movies that we do. Um, so today, as Morgan said, we are talking about Lilo and Stitch. And uh, because of that, if you have not seen it, honey, it came out in 2002. It's I your know. own fault if you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> it's know. a great one. You should definitely pause it right now, go watch it, and then come back. If you've seen it, because most of the world has, we're going to take you back in time to 2002. There's no place to grab the beach. Lingering in the ocean blue. I served in the sunset.
Netflix likes to put it, a sports um, comedy. <laughs> what? That was how it came up on Netflix. <laughs> Netflix is so kooky. Surfing is a sport, and dancing could be a sport. So I Surfing is a sport. That it is not how I would... I would do this more of a modern-day sci-fi comedy. A family feel-good musical sci-fi comedy. Kind of like how Mulan <laughs> is like eight genres in one movie. <laughs> All right, so let's go right into it. Let's start talking about Lilo in Stitch. So I'll Whoop. take general facts about the film from Wikipedia, of course. So this is done by Walt Disney Animation Studios. It is their 42nd animated film. Uh, which is really exciting. You know, they are they were slowly, they were basically doing one animated film a year at this point in time, and we're closing in on that big 50. Um, its directors were Dean DeBlois and Chris Sanders, who you might know from other animated films. Um, Dean is one of the directors of How to Train Your Dragon, and Chris Sanders we know from the thing from DreamWorks films like The Caroots. And uh, I, I think it's interesting to talk about Chris Sanders and his. He has a very unique art style, which I oh, think yeah. reflected in this film. So we'll talk about that a bit. It was released July twenty first, two thousand two. Uh, this was quite a busy year. The same year as Treasure Planet, the Powerpuff Girls movie, Ice Age, Cinderella two, Dreams come through. Hey Arnold movie, Land Before Time, Journey <laughs> to Big Water. Of course, right? So many classics came out this year. You would think that it would have had a better chance, like a, bat, a better um, a better shot at the Oscars, considering the competition. Um, but unfortunately, it lost to Spirited Away. And I think that it's kind of a weird... Not weird. It's understandable because it is a foreign film that was, you know, brought in. Um, but it was created in two thousand and one, so I think it gets an unfair advantage. But that's just me. Yeah. Based on the U.S. release date. Right. All right. Can I can I uh, make an extension to my confession about having never seen Lilo and Stitch? Please do. There is a reason why I have never seen Lilo and Stitch. Okay. And that reason is because. My family went to Disney World when I was young, and it was right during Stitch Mania. And we'll talk about the marketing because the Stitch marketing campaign was crazy. But Stitch was everywhere in the parks when we went, all right? And we went on the ride, Stitch's Great Escape and Tomorrowland. We came out so disgusted and so angry at Stitch for what he did to us while we were trapped in that observation room when he escaped, that we never saw the movie. We, like, boycotted it because of the ride, like, strictly because of the ride. When the Smith family boycotts something, we all band together and we, we like, stick to it. Mayonnaise, Lilo and Stitch, took a very long time for me to finally get around to watching it. Awesome. So that's why I hadn't seen it until today. I'm I'm glad that it you know you've gotten over your your prejudice. I got over it. <laughs> and I actually have a correction. I said Dean's last name. It's De Blue, not De Blois, whatever I said. So I'm. Sorry. Uh, that happens to the best of us. I don't claim to uh, know French or speak French or be very good at pronouncing French. So. <laughs> De Blue. <laughs> Yes, Stitch Media. So before we talk about that, uh, one last thing. Budget, $80 million, and worldwide did $273 million, which is uh, pretty, 
pretty darn good. Yeah. That was it was actually one of only two films since this and Princess and the Frog that came out in two thousand and nine. They were one of the only two films from Walt Disney Animation Studios released in the two thousands that actually met with critical praise and got their money back in its initial theatrical release. Way to get your money back, Disney. <laughs> and be a good movie all at the same time. Time, weren't they? What? Yeah, the 2000s were just hard. Which, you know, as I was looking it up, it was interesting to see, like, it, this. the budget was $80 million here. If you went back to, um, back in, like, Lion King was less than $30 million. And then right after Lion King, it was like, woo, let's make, you know, all the animators like, let's make some money. Um, which, can't blame them. And, but that made the next movie, Hunchback of Notre Dame, like balloon up to the $100 million levels. And then over oh, here, wow. it's like kind of gone back down. They're like, eh, we're going to cut back a bit on this one. Had we ever done Hunchback? We have not. I would oh, man. We got to do that one. Days. Patrons? <laughs> to the rescue. All right, so Stitch Hype. Um, that Stitch was Hype, indeed. Part of this film Specifically, I think one of the things that made this film stand out and maybe got some people excited were these Stitch trailers. So basically, if what these trailers were, and I'll include a few links to them in the show notes, but they they were Stitch invading other movies. So there was one, uh, Aladdin and Jasmine on our magic carpet, and they were riding, and then all of a sudden Stitch would get in the way and take over and, and totally mess up the movie. And so it was. They were really playing on this, you know, obvious nostalgia and love for these Disney animated characters and and classics. Um, you know, since this film is so different, it's very modern. It's space. All these things. I think that it was actually very smart of them because they wanted. If you were just going to focus on a space Disney animated film, it might not have resonated at that time very much. However, by <laughs> look at Treasure Planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Packing that on to these other things like Aladdin, you know, people would watch a commercial that had Aladdin, and then suddenly it was a bait and switch. It gets taken over by Stitch. Ah, the bait and I switch. Hilarious. The bait and stitch, as you. Will. <laughs> the bait and stitch, everyone. <laughs> you heard it first on the rotoscopers. So yeah, what were you? Do you guys remember the that anim campaign? Yeah, I definitely I they, do. They played ACDC whenever he would show up. They played Back in Black. Of course they would. He's the one that ruins it all. You know, it was... I think it really did get people back into theaters um, because it did focus on all of those. I mean, imp like, the ones that were passed, like, the last three of them were, like, the lowest. So it was, like, Dinosaur, Emperor's New Groove, and Atlantis. Emperor's New Groove did that bad? Well, it, it was just in theaters. They all did pretty bad. Um and so they were really wanting to, like, hey, let's go back to those days. Remember? Remember those days, guys? They were awesome. And which they were. And so I felt like it was genius they looking to... back at it. But I remember at the time I was like, hmm, I don't approve. <laughs> they tried to rewake Sleeping Beauty. I don't know. Like, it was, it worked out well. I mean, Stitch then became huge. Afterward, everybody loved Stitch. Everybody was wanting to wear. Everybody, I, my cousins, for they went to um, 
they went to Disneyland one time and they all made, had sweaters where they wrote project or um, not project. Um, what's the word? Oh yeah, subject two six six two six or or yeah, experiment two six seven two six eight and two six nine. So like my oh, three cousins, yeah. they went and that that was what they did. I was like, you guys are funny, <laughs> but everybody really loved this movie. Yeah, and you know, like we were saying, this this film did quite well in theaters. It made its money back a few times over, but really the biggest breakaway character was Stitch, and they probably made who knows how many millions, if not billions, on this character because he was everywhere, almost to the point where it was very annoying and frustrating. He was the new Tinkerbell. I mean, <laughs> have quite a presence in the parks, but not as it was for the few years afterwards. Um, which is great, you know, I mean, that's really, it. as a um, company, a company that needs to make money and have a profit, you want a frozen level of success that converts into people buying merchandise, and that's exactly what people did for Stitch. Yeah, I remember the, uh, I wonder how hardcore, like, Disney Classics fanatics felt about Stitch, like, butting into all their, like, wonderful moments in, in Disney Classic history, you know? Well, that's that's how I felt. I felt annoyed. Well, he, I was like, "What are you doing? Why are you tainting my like bringing yeah. all these?" I know that they did get the same voice actors to come in for like the Aladdin one, which I did appreciate. If they're gonna put them on stage, at least put them on screen with the same voices. Um, but yeah, I was kind of upset, and for that reason, I think is why I didn't really gravitate to this movie originally. Yeah, I remember the parks were totally saturated with Stitch. He was everywhere. He was on the loudspeakers. You know, he they had Stitch merchandise everywhere. And uh, it, was, it was just insane. And we were all rolling our eyes because we went to Tomorrowland, like, first off the bat. And we were like, hey, let's try Stitch's Great Escape. Can't be that bad. And then, you know, we, we learned to hate him. But uh, that was unfortunate. But, yeah, he was everywhere. And I remember the commercials were I, – I thought the commercials were kind of crazy. <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess they ch- were just trying to sell the idea that Stitch is bad news and he and you will be really entertained by by him. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting popular in Japan. Really? Yeah. He's incredibly popular. Um, no faces is popular in Japan. <laughs> people love him there. People love the Stitch. So my first thoughts about this film, I remember, you know, this is the time where, I, of course, I love Disney films, as I still do today. I saw it opening day. I saw it with my friend and her mom. Um, and then I, I don't know my initial feelings from the film, but I think I was, I thought it was good, but obviously it wasn't one that I ended up watching a million times over, like Aladdin or some of these other films. But um, it was very good, and I was surprised, but... Watching it again, you know, I think you know how Disney feels about their films, whether they are on Netflix, okay? If they're not in the vault and they're not getting a Diamond Edition or any sort of, you know, special Blu-ray release, if they're just on Netflix just because, it's probably a sign that Disney meh, doesn't hold this one too, too uh, you know, sacred or, or close to its heart, right? Yeah. This one is on Netflix, along with its sequel. Along with its sequel. <laughs> Other things on Netflix, things like Pocahontas 2 and Mulan 2. And then we have Lilo and Stitch right next to it, which isn't a good sign for... Hey, Pocahontas 2 is legit. <laughs> yes, they go back to England to see John Rolfe. <laughs> you know, what's, it's interesting, though, is like when this was first coming out, 
um, Thomas Schumacher, who was the president of animation at the time, he decided during that first year of production how that they basically hid it from the 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 heads of the company. Like any time that they would ask about it, like how's that Stitch thing going on? And like, oh, you know, it's just still in development. We're yeah, but you know, this we're gonna focus on this right now. Like he would always push it off to the side so that the people wouldn't come in and look at it because they really just wanted the story to develop a lot. And I think that's one of those things as younger I didn't appreciate the the you know themes of it and it was it is definitely like that older sense of like you know little kids will like stitch and they'll like oh he's cute and fluffy um but <laughs> it was all a lie <laughs> it's all an elaborate ruse right but they're not really going to get the deeper meanings which is you know understandable and okay. now as I look back I'm like I get it I get it, Chris Sanders. <laughs> and a lot of people have a lot of attachment to this film, and I think that's because it does it doesn't play it safe in in really any aspect. Um, it didn't yeah. have a traditional, you know, five Disney songs that are very hummable and singable. I mean, there are a few songs, but you know, not what we were used to. It doesn't. It has this. Well, broken families can be very common in Disney films. You know, there are no parents here, but you have this sister raising the other sister and the real life modern day struggles of trying to make that work and oh yeah job and having you know child protective services get involved i mean that is something that is so modern and so real and, and they're all ex-cia agents <laughs> yeah and things you know the the different themes that it hits on you know of uh, abandonment and family uh, and it's it's different than most animated films, and so I think that's why maybe people going in expecting this super happy princess movie might be leaving the theater feeling, oh, look, that was different. Good, maybe. Hopefully they say that, but different. Yeah, I think they were really going for different. Like, it's, it's kind of like Stitch is like the anti-Disney character. Like, he is anything but cute and cuddly. He's like completely bred. He's, he is bred for destruction. <laughs> Or whatever. Exactly. He's meant to destroy. He's meant to tear everything apart. He's meant to not really love you, uh, which is cool. We'll talk about how that ultimately changes. He will be irresistibly drawn to large cities where he will back up sewers, reverse street signs, and steal everybody's left shoe. <laughs> yes. So one thing that makes this film stand out to me is the character design. Um, oh my gosh, yes. Your thick, thin princesses with their 10-inch waists. Move over, ladies. Everybody, it, it's very real, and people are, I guess you would you would say, a little thicker than what you normally would have seen in an animated film. You know, I think a lot of times with art, people try to make things look, per some people choose to make things look perfect and uh accentuate certain things like waist and, and you know women are particularly sometimes very shown as petite or tiny or thin and men are bigger and, and whatever. And white. <laughs> it just disregards all that and this is very much Chris Sanders style where he has these characters with these you know really hearty legs and bodies and it's... Thick ankles. Yes, thick ankles. Strong thick ankles for bearing children. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so how did, how did you guys like the the character design of this film. Okay. One of my peers in one of my animation classes on campus did a presentation on, uh, on Nani. And, um, she explained Chris Sanders, style. And like, I 
love this. Like, it's like, you don't have to be stick thin to be a compelling Disney female, you know, it's so brilliant. And, um, you know, he, uh, I looked at a couple of interviews with Chris Sanders about the character designs for Nani and Lilo and a lot of the other people. Um, and he explained that like the rounder, like non anorexic designs, it just occurred naturally. Like it was just kind of a thing that happened and it wasn't really part of any like initiative by Disney studios. They didn't like be like, Hmm, well we need to start, uh, you know, we need to fix the image that we're sending to, to girls and women. So blah, 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 blah. It just happened naturally. Did he actually say the non-anorexic style? No, th- no that's me. That's Mason. Okay. <laughs> that's Mason's speech. I'm not quoting here. <laughs> but they went with the more, um, like, they went with the more rounder designs because it, it just seemed appropriate. I, I don't know. They just did it kind of, kind of. That's the That's the thing that I got from it. And I really love it. Like not just the the design, but just the expressiveness of the characters. And that's a lot of you know Andreas Deja who who did uh, who was the lead animator for Lilo and and um, you know all the human characters just seem very real because they weren't these like they they just because they seemed you know proportionally more real. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a great 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 thing. And I wish there were more animated films that portrayed females and nor and people in general of, of both genders in, in that way. I'm going to say I was super impressed with how well the animation worked on top of the watercolor backgrounds. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful. I loved that, that taste that they brought in there. The fact that it, I mean, it's in Hawaii. So, you know, doing it in watercolors, it seems so perfect. And the fact that it works so well, which just made me happy. Yeah, totally. Um, Watercolor backgrounds, I mean, a lot of the original Disney films had that. That was something that was very uh, standard and classic of those early films like you know, Bambi, Snow White, and Pinocchio. And so that was a very conscious effort to uh, harken back to that traditional uh, style of Disney animation. And I think it works very well. It It's interesting because it's in a very modern setting but it works and to me it you know when I think of great Disney background artists I think of Tyrus Wong who did uh, a lot of the backgrounds in Bambi and they're just beautiful and they're they're so expressive in in just the story that they're able to tell and the colors that are used and so I, I really enjoyed seeing that because I think um, they could have gone all sorts of different directions with that but they chose to keep that one element sort of pretty standard mm-hmm well, and as far as uh, uh, Mason mentioned, Andreas Deja um, being the lead animator for Lilo, um, I actually listened to a really neat podcast of an uh, interview with him on the Brankoff Brothers podcast. And I definitely you should check it out. It's like an hour or so long, and he just talks about some of the stuff that he's doing now. But he did, in the last like 10 minutes or so, he does go in on a little bit of, of Lilo and how his the time working on that. And he said that it was, it was so difficult, one of the most difficult jobs he had ever done because Lilo's expressions were so minimal. And to be able to, I mean, you know, you do somebody like Jafar and you kind of, you can work with the the twistiness of everything. But with Lilo, it's just so earnest, but everything like when she, like, for example, the time he mentioned specifically when she's looking at Cobra um, Bubbles, his uh, knuckles is like, have you ever killed anyone? (laughs) It was just like those little moments of just like, hmm. 
okay. Um, but I really like that man. Lilo is such a great character. Yeah, she is amazing. Can we just talk about Lilo for the rest of the episode? Because <laughs> she deserves a lot more credit and recognition as a character than Stitch. Okay, Stitch is pretty cool. Like, if there was a Sm Super Smash Brothers for Disney characters, which I've always wished there was, Stitch would be, like, this bonus character that'd be really hard to unlock but was, like, unstoppable once you got him. <laughs> like, you'd be playing and be like, oh, sweet, yeah, Aladdin is my main. Oh, I always play as Stitch. Oh, no. We're all gonna die. But anyway, <laughs> just a little scenario I thought of. Disney, make Super Smash Brothers for Disney, please. Amazing. Uh, Can you imagine if they did that? They had... Disney characters beating each other up. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the fan fictions ever, ever, ever made along with Kingdom Hearts. <gasps> they could incorporate Kingdom Hearts into it too. Oh my goodness. It'd be perfect. That'll go over so well with marketing. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. They'd make it work. They'd make it work. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Stitch is great, but Lilo is greater. Like, I love her animation. Like, she, she represents us weird people very well and it's high time somebody did that um i, mean, I don't know if anyone's taking me seriously with the mask on <laughs> but anyway um but yeah i think lilo is great the princesses aren't these little meek characters anymore they don't stand up for themselves stick them in a melee and watch them go at it well look at rapunzel she could have her frying pan yeah, the hair. She'd be like Princess Peach when she does that one attack and she hits you with a frying pan. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lilo is one of the greatest Disney characters of all time, in my opinion. Um, she's got an awesome personality. Finally, a Disney character that represents us weird people. And then, um, like, she can say something ridiculous with a completely straight face. And she totally believes what she's saying. Like, she's like a mad scientist waiting to waiting to happen. Um I weather huh? he took controls the weather yeah i was thinking that oh, exact right. <laughs> and he's like oh he's, he's a vampire and he tried to get me to join his legion of the undead and she's like i knew it it <laughs> just goes on there's you know there, there's no there's no like you know there, there's no moment my, where my they puppy at, found the chainsaw <laughs> yeah the, there's no oh yeah the beast would be amazing in disney super smash brothers but anyway um um but yeah she would be, uh, she's crazy, be, and she's awesome. And, like, I don't know. I just, uh, I want to be more like Lilo. Yeah, I like I said before, I think she's just a very real character, and you see that she's struggling with a lot of things in her life, even though she's so young. Um, and she's doing her best to cope. And, unfortunately, whether it's because of her situation or just because she's kind of, kind of kooky, she's not... She's not popular. She's not accepted by the other girls her age. And Definitely not. That doesn't help with the situation with her and her sister. Um, and so you really feel for her because it's one of those things that, you know, be nice to everyone because you don't know what they're going through. It, with, with Lilo, there's all these things, and she's doing her best to cope. And whether that means she's, you know, feeding a peanut butter sandwich to a fish because that makes her happy or... Uh, <laughs> no, because it controls the weather. Laying on the floor, listening to Elvis, just she's doing her best, and obviously her sister is doing her best, which we will. Uh, I guess we can go right into Nani, who I love. Nani rules. She's so mm -hmm. down to earth. And ta you were talking about the design of the characters. What I love about Nani is that she's just a very real female, and even the way that her stomach is designed, like it has those little lines. 
uh, not when someone is so skinny they have you know lines on their. No, yeah, it's when you like curl up, you know, and your stomach the, crunches. Like she has a little pudge, and that's okay. Yeah. She's gonna keep wearing that midriff top, and she's gonna rock it, and she's in Hawaii <laughs> of all places. So, yeah. Hawaii. Na na na, like hala hala hala. I don't, I don't know that song. Those are great songs, though. They are. Yeah, I like her a lot because um, basically I love every blank, incredulous stare that she gives Stitch. <laughs> like everything that he does, she's just kind of like, there's <laughs> like these awesome moments where she's just staring at, at him being like, what kind of dog is this? <laughs> also, all these characters are morons for not realizing Stitch is not a dog. Right. She's like, I think it's a koala. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like her only real friend outside of, well, yeah, her only real friend is the David character, who is voiced by Jason Scott Lee, and who is the same guy who played Mowgli on the '94 edition of the Jungle Book, my favorite oh, okay. edition. Um, yeah, I I liked his personality too. Like, like all he wants is to date her. Like that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, he's great. I love the line. Um, I really believe they had a chance until you came along. Who says that to a dog? <laughs> yeah. You ruined everything, you stupid dog. <laughs> well, it, it's like, how did the dog do everything? Like, well, no, I think that goes to show that a lot of times when things are falling apart in someone's life, they just look to anything external to blame it on. Um you know, it, they maybe either they don't want to take responsibility for themselves, or it's just something easy, like the dog, you know, kick the dog while it's down, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You can't keep a good dog down. No, 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 no. You can't keep a good dog down. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I gotta take this off. <laughs> that was gonna happen. So luckily, I have my over the garden wall T-shirt on. Nice. So it's. It's yes, it's, it's officially Halloween season. Yes, Mason designed that T-shirt. I'll include a link in the show notes so you can buy what? it. What this this shirt? Over the garden wall T-shirt which he designed. Should... I designed this shirt right here that I'm going to show off. Like what? <laughs> what? Ooh. Come wayward souls. Yeah. All right. So what are some other characters? There's Doctor Juba. Okay, Dr. Jumba Jukiba, or I forget what they say his last name is because they just call him Jumba. Um, he is like a cross between a hippo, a beetle, and a muppet. And but he is literally my digital image coding professor. Like he is literally <laughs> my professor in digital image. He talks with the same accent. He oh. kind of looks like him. And. Uh, nice shot and then uh yeah he's I, I like him a lot because he's like i'm just waiting until i am not under the supervision of the galactic federation and then i'm gonna do it my way <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of acting the part of a good guy at the very beginning you know he's under trial and then he gets arrested and then he's oh whoops that thing oh I, that was just an experiment i didn't create i did not create anything twice yeah. <laughs> or something like that experiment 626 <laughs> He gets put on Earth to track him down because he's the only person who really can. And he's kind of acting the good guy part, but not really, right? It's like Mason said, he's just looking for that opportunity to leave. Um, and then at the very end, I mean, I, is he a good guy at the end? Is he a bad guy? I mean, he just he's a, has his own agenda. Let's put it that way. 
I'd say he is. Hmm. I say like he's just looking for yeah he's just looking to do his own thing. But I mean the way they portray him in I mean he comes in as Santa Claus. I mean that means he's good, right? <laughs> no, Disney t- teaches you that Santa Claus is evil. Did you not see Nightmare Before Christmas? It's true. Okay, I like him. And then there's Agent Pleakley. Oh, also uh, about Dr. Jumba, he is voiced by David Ogden Steers, who was uh, best known as Governor... See, we always have to, like, walk on eggshells when we try to pronounce a name on this show. Because then all the people are like, you got it wrong! But yeah, uh, he voiced Governor Ratcliffe and Wiggins. Oh, gift baskets! And then uh, he was uh, Cogsworth on, uh, on Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he, he has done quite a bit for Disney animation. I love his voice. I think he, I would like to see him in even more things. Yeah, you also had Kevin Michael Richardson. I think he was the Captain Grapthar, or whatever that guy's name, the big the big, the big big security captain guy. So uh, Agent Pleakley, he is, again, this is our, our classic big and small scenario. <laughs> the guy, Dr. Jumba, we have Agent Pleakley, who is the small, shrivelly guy, and he is just a total nerd, and he has convinced uh, an alien population or another or that uh, mosquitoes or co- convinced the Earth population that mosquitoes are an endangered species and need to be protected. So that is why they can't just blow up Earth much like in Star Wars. <laughs> we can't invade them. Yeah, it's a, uh, we've been using it to preserve the mosquito population. <laughs> like, so that's why I get bit every year. Uh, yeah, totally. That's the only one finally, he's like, oh, a mosquito has chosen me as its resting place for its home. Oh, 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 ah! <laughs> they're, they're snuggling my skin with their noses. <laughs> oh, poor guy. And then he hates everything in the ocean. There's a shark, and then the octopus is worse than the shark. Yes. It's like, I hate this planet. <laughs> but one of my favorite characters, and a real standout, is Agent Cobra Bubbles. I forgot about this guy. He really makes every scene better. No, he does. He's he's hilarious. He's funny. He's every moment that he's every scene that he is in, he really does steal the show. Yeah. Yeah, I like him. Except there's this one part where he's like, "That dog has to be a model citizen," and I'm like, mm, "As a as a uh, social worker, I don't think you can tell the tell the family how the dog is supposed to act." But. <laughs> Whatever. Wouldn't be the first time a government worker overstepped his bounds. But yeah, um, he's really cool, and I love how um, they play this like suction cup noise whenever he takes his his glasses off. It's like because they're so like they're kind of big and intense. <laughs> I really like him, and I was like, I don't know. I kind of yeah. He is Nick Fury's cousin. Someone just said on chat, um, but I just. Oh, since Disney owns Marvel, he very well could be Nick Fury's cousin. Uh, House of Mouse, bring it back, people. All kinds of different mashups you can have. Yeah, I like him because um, I knew he was kind of like a secret agent type when I first saw him. Because I was like, mm, he's definitely, he's like, I'm a special whatever. <laughs> special social worker or whatever. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> and she's like, your, your knuckles say Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, and then you have, as far as the other human friends, the, the, her, the girls. Um, they're not friends. Yeah, yeah, they're not friends at all. But like, I thought you said they were the enemy. <laughs> yeah. 
that redhead is such a jerk. And then I actually went in and watched a couple of the episodes of the TV show just because I was like, eh, I wonder what's on here. And, like, they really play that up in the TV show. Just the redhead is a huge jerk. Yeah, it's really funny because, you know, this film is set in Hawaii. And for the most part, we, we see this Hawaiian family of Nani and Lilo and David. Um, but it's just really funny. In the very beginning scene, we see them dancing, and all the older girls are clearly Hawaiian um, to the point where they're just nondescript. They all sort of look more or less like each other. But then all of Lilo's friends, there's a lot of diversity. And, you know, I, I get it. There's all sorts of people who live in Hawaii. But I just thought it was very interesting because the only other real, um, you know, traditional, I don't know, the other white people other than the Hawaiians are... Uh, the tourists, but her friends are kind of a mix of everything. You got the redhead, you got the blonde, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. There's only like two Hawaiians in the whole, in that little group of five, Lilo and the other one. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of diversity in this movie, um, but I, I did like that there was a lot of Hawaiians shown, you know, the store owner. Um, and, you know, they even do traditional Hawaiian sort of things. You know, if you're a Hawaiian living in Hawaii, yeah, you're going to learn how to hula. And, yeah, you're going to, you know, be a, a performer and spit fire like David. Um, it's just that's what the economy, you know, the tourist economy of Hawaii wants. The people, wherever they're from, they don't have to be Americans. They could be from China. They could be from Australia. They want to come and they want to see this true Hawaiian experience. So, mm-hmm. Aloha. <laughs> I thought it was interesting to that they played up, you know, that David and Nani worked in that uh, environment. Yeah, and then she called it like a crummy, crummy fake Hawaiian luau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know when she stormed away from her work, the the um, the owner like he looked really sad that she was leaving. <laughs> so I think she was just being a jerk. <laughs> He's like, it's not fake; it's been passed down from generations. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so I guess this brings us to Stitch. Well, besides Stitch, there's all the Galactic Federation aliens, which must have been a blast to design. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they're, they're so different and, and crazy, and, and it must have been, like, a creative dream to uh, to design all of them and, like, animate them and stuff. By the way, I really like Dr. Jumba's uh, animation. Like, it's very strange. Like he's not he's not even over the top. There's no point in this movie where someone does something funny and looks at the cameras like, get it? It was a joke, you know. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Which brings me to Stitch. Stitch is an awesome character. He would be a top tier Disney Super Smash Brothers character just because he is bred for one purpose: to destroy and break everything he sees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stealing a squad cruiser. That's a this guy's a real thug. <laughs> He took the red one. <laughs> oh, I love those little piglet aliens that that are in the control deck. They look just like piglet. <laughs> Go back and watch it. When you imagine aliens, I don't think you imagine you know this super cute looking thing, but they just kind of took everything and spun it on its head. You know, you got these little piglets and they're so cute and they look amazing. And then you have you know the big shark guy and then you have you know Jumba. shark guy. Ooh, Everyone's different. Yeah, totally. Um, everyone is different. Um, but yeah, Stitch is amazing. I love how evil he is at first, and then he has to, like, force himself to be civilized just so that Jumba and and, Doc- and Agent Pleakley don't capture him, you know? 
he's only doing this so that he can stay alive and, and stay away from the Federation. And that starts his little character arc, I guess. And then, uh, <laughs> like the part where he's like, where he's like looking around, they're looking at him through the plasma rifle scope. And he's like, how good is his hearing? <laughs> you know, he looks like at him. <laughs> It's one of my favorite parts. I don't know why. It's just little gag, like gags like that, that are very subtle. That they feel like they don't have like this explicit laugh track going along with them. You know? Yeah. No, that was one of my favorite parts about this movie. I watched it. I actually watched it three times in the last month. Um, Whoa. Well, because at first we were going to do this movie a couple weeks ago, and then schedule changed, so I don't, I've been ready for that one. And then my nieces and nephews were over, and I was like, eh, I might as, watch, might as well watch it right now. Um, so I put it in with them. They love this movie, and they're like, oh, it's my favorite movie ever. I'm like, really? Okay, cool. Glad I picked the right one. <laughs> um, and then I watched it today, just had it going in the background. But that was one of my favorite parts about it, is these jokes were so non-pandering. And they just were thrown out there that were just really, really funny. Yeah, it was like a different level altogether than Emperor's New Groove, mm-hmm. which is a hilarious movie, but it's just a different kind of humor. And I appreciated Lilo and Stitch very much for being different and for being kind of divergent from like the crazy madcap mayhem humor movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Stitch could have been a minion really easily. I don't hate the minions, but he could have been one of them pretty easily. Anyway, sure. so I like the I, the crazy exposition that takes like ten minutes before the title credits even show up. Um, it's uh, it, it's pretty crazy. They spent a lot of effort going into like the lives of these Galactic Federation dudes. Yeah. Like it co- goes on and on and on, you know. And everybody's in character, and everyone's taking their job seriously. I mean, they really go in depth with these guys. Love the piglet aliens. And they're like, it's in the ventilation system. And it's like in a sci-fi movie, it's always in the ventilation <laughs> system. You can count on it being in the ventilation system. <laughs> in fact, one of the one of the requirements for a sci-fi movie is that it gets in the ventilation system, whatever it is. You know, if that's the case, I don't understand why there isn't more. Security measures against the ventilation system. <laughs> no, no, no. They had they had the heat-seeking uh, lasers that go after his genetic signature. Well, it's in- foolproof. It Trust all- us, we're aliens. To be overlooked in a lot of films. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, most diverse cast of aliens in a Disney movie goes to Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> I mean, this movie's hilarious. It's got so many funny parts and like funny moments. I really like the part when uh, Nani is talking on the phone with David, and she's like, "I I think it's a koala. I don't even know what it is, but it's just not a dog. Like it's just weird." And I come in and I look, and at that moment in time, you can see the shadow on the wall with got all the six legs out. And then you look at him, and it's just him with the two legs, and he's like pulling out a a, ca- a caffeinated beverage with a red can. I wonder which one it was. And I'm just like. He just like goes back up. Hey. All right. Oh no, he like looks back at her, gets the thing, goes back, looks back at her one more time, and then goes back up. The whole time she's just like, "Who's a crazy dog?" And it's like no one really. Re- everybody thinks he's a dog, but he like plays the guitar perfectly. And she's like, she's like, Nani, watch this. <laughs> mm-hmm. You ain't nothing but a hound. I forget which Elvis song it is. We're caught in a trap, suspicious minds. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're caught in a trap. I can't <laughs> because I love you, baby. You know? 
it's so funny and it, the, the scene almost has no point but then to show off like how much how lilo thinks stitch is like so cool and stitch is just like you know what i'm kind of only doing this uh <laughs> i'm kind of only doing this so that no one kills me <laughs> or takes me to prison again i can't go to jail again <laughs> yeah oh then one of my favorite lines um oh good my dog found the chainsaw <laughs> but she's talking to agent bubbles <laughs> And then I don't know why this is so funny, but this is just why Lilo is such a great character. The redheaded girl who will someday grow up to be the nerdy redheaded girl on the Proud family. She, when the when the redheaded girl makes fun of her, Lilo just straight up tackles her and starts to like bash her face in. Like she goes straight for the face. <laughs> and she bit her. And I thought to myself, after violence I heard... is not funny, but but that was kind of funny. Yeah. Well, like I saw it right when. Um... Andreas Deja said that like all of her all of her movements were very like under underestimated type thing. I'm like, except for that one. That one was very much fun, I'm sure he had. Yeah, she really railed on that one chick. Yeah, I think Lilo and Stitch they really all their moments are hilarious. I think in one moment with with Stitch, and they're in the grocery store, and he sees the baby, and they sort of, like, give each other a hey, hey. The baby has the bottle, he has the sucker, and then they just walk. I mean, it just, it has nothing to do with the movie, but it just helps build his character that he's just hilarious. I don't yeah. know that he is, but... Yeah, totally. Okay, so... I have a couple problems with the film. Maybe y'all can help me out with them. Okay. All right, so if... In the beginning of the film, they said that Stitch... He is his molecular structure is too unstable to be in water, and they're like, "Oh, that's so great!" He's headed straight for the ocean, and then he lands in Hawaii, and they're like, "I know." They so if, it and they're like, "Oh no!" If Stitch can't be in the water, then why did he go surfing? Why was there that whole scene where he was in water? I think he's not. At, he's on the surfboard, so he doesn't actually. Hope, luckily, he's betting that they aren't going to wipe out and crash. He's hoping that they are expert surfers and they are going to catch the perfect wave and then ride into the beach. But um, there's the part where Dr. Um, I want to keep calling him Jumbo, where the do- where the um, the mad, the evil genius doctor grabs him and drags him underwater. So at that point, wouldn't all their problems be solved? Like, I guess I don't get that part. Well, because he didn't stay underwater. They tried to oh, keep him under, and he almost died, but then David had to pull, David ended up pulling him out. Water for various period of time. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Maybe it takes a while. All right, so I guess that's not a big deal. Okay, so my my other biggest problem with this film is at the end, um, the um, Captain Ganu is that his name? Captain. I don't know. Oh, Captain Gantu, I think is his name. Um, we're so horrible. We're such horrible Disney fans. Uh, he captures Lilo and Stitch. And then Stitch escapes, and then he tries to get her back. And then he subsequently gets captured by um, by the doctor and um, the, the silly little agent guy. And um, they're like, all right, now we'll just... They leave a message with Galactic Federation. We're like, we'll wait for you. At that point, didn't... Like, wouldn't the Galactic Federation people be like, wait, hold on, our captain is supposed to have Stitch. Uh, let me check with him. Hey, you got the wrong person, so drop them off and come get Stitch. You know, that's all they had to do. I don't get why they had to do the massive chase at the end. It's exciting and it's cool, but like, didn't it kind of, I don't know, couldn't it have been easily avoided? Probably, yeah. 
But it wouldn't have had the time for Stitch to come clean and be like, okay, okay, quack. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, I forgot God. about that part. That was cute. And he, like, keeps trying to say it, but, like, everybody just keeps knocking him in the face. Which, at that point, I'm thinking, but he, he must really like these people if he's willing to put up with all this right through this whole thing. Oh, oh, Better than me. <laughs> Well, yeah. He's kind of like a more playful sounding Smeagol. <laughs> All right. I also like this movie because instead of a you lied to me moment, it has a you ruined everything, you jerk, now get away from me moment. You know, Bugs Life had both. Those aren't uh, very common. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I thought it was refreshing because it didn't follow that formula. Also, there are two A113 license plates in the film, but you can't guess which one they are. Hmm. Well, I did see them, or one of them. I don't know where the second one is. There's the fire truck, and then there's the truck full of explosive material that he drives into the volcano. They both have A113 license plates. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to kind of the themes of the movie. I mean, you went into the ending, which I loved the ending. It was so sweet and so tear-jerking, and the music worked out perfectly. I was like, oh, it's so good. Um, but it did show a lot of, like, it, it showed how well they were able to bring in so many different themes that really aren't talked about in a lot to this, or at least if they are, they're not done this to this degree of, of just quality. Um, one of them is, the, is loneliness, and Aww. I felt like they really did a good job with that. Um, one, one part actually was really f- interesting when, right when stitch lands and there's, they think it's a falling star shooting star. And right when you're, they're like walking and looking out toward it, it shows off to the side, a little chest of drawers or something. And you can see Dumbo, like a stuffed animal of Dumbo in there. And it, that also shows that he was yet another, um, outcasted and, misunderstood character. Like, All right, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the loneliness that everybody kind of feels like he does like stitch doesn't have a higher purpose. It's interesting what, uh, Dr. Jumba, uh, observes about stitch, like having nothing to do after he has nothing left to destroy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Like the, he doesn't have any memories or family to hold on to. And then there's this interesting part at the end where um, where Jumba is like, you know, I made you. You're built to destroy. And that made me think of Final Fantasy IX. If anyone has ever played it, there's a character who suffers the same fate, um, finding out that they were made in a factory and they were basically built to be like a minion that destroys. And it's kind of this weird like existential like moment. And uh, it's kind of scary to think about. But... The whole point is that Stitch finds his his Ohana, and it's kind of cute at the end because he's like, they're they're not they're small and they're broken, but they're good, right? Isn't that what he said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's cute. That's a good moment there at the end. That's the money shot right there. Yeah, it also brings up adoption. Adoption is good. Adoption is good. I adopted him. That means he's family. Ohana means knowing it's left behind. I mean, that, that was that was cool. 
Um, I like at the part where she, the Galactic Federation person is like, well, there's no loophole, so I guess we got to arrest him again. She's like, hold up, hold up. I bought him. I paid $2 for him. I own him. And so, she's like, thank you. Okay, we'll make a loophole for him. Stay I, on exile on this planet. I love that the aliens are all about rules and how they, they really are able to... Um, oh, yeah, uh, Agent Bubbles. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Well, another couple that I really um, I liked was Elvis and surfing can really make any bad day better. Oh, that I, is a great theme. I know. That is a great moral. Yeah. <laughs> and destruction of private property is okay if you are cute and fluffy. Cute and fluffy. But yeah, um, oh yeah, <laughs> they totally made it sound like, you know, they just found the money to pay for their house again. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh boy, totally unrealistic, would never happen, zero out of ten. Well, now we know where the CIA's budget is going. Mm-hmm. Nah, put it to something good. Yeah, like <laughs> rebuilding houses. Yeah, yeah. Kelsey barely, she mentioned Elvis, and we've been talking about it throughout. This film has... Different music than your traditional Disney animated film. A lot of the ones previously, especially in the 90s, had these great Broadway-esque scores and music and, and you know, songs with lyrics and the characters were singing. Uh, in this film, no characters sing. There are two songs. One, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride. Um, and oh, yeah, I love that song. song at the very beginning, which I'm not going to even try to pronounce, but... I don't know. No, no, I'm just singing Hawaiian Roller Coaster, right? There's no place I'd rather be than on a surfboard out on sea. Something in the ocean blue. Let me tell you something about the soundtrack, people. We listened to it a good five times every week when the soundtrack was released. Uh, because my little sister was, obs- it, it was and is obsessed with Elvis, and she really, I think she really liked the Lilo and Stitch soundtrack in general. So we would play it like all the time. Your sister and I would get along really well. Oh, this was a long time ago when we weren't listening to the Smash Mouth album. You know, the only one that they that was good from them. Uh, <laughs> we were listening to the Lilo and Stitch soundtrack. Classy. Yeah, we were I love, love Elvis. Um, of my top performers, like, to watch of all time, Elvis is number one. And it makes me so sad that I can no longer do that except for on videos. Um, but, I, you know, something to learn that you, that you find out in living in the South, everybody is kind of aware of, apparently. Um, Elvis is still alive and he lives in Alabama. Oh, everybody knows just, that shit. Just saying. <laughs> but it's... Anyway, um, yeah, I just, oh my gosh. And then the final end credit, not the final end credit song, but the beginning end credit song where you have Winona, uh, Winona Judge singing um, the Elvis song. Oh my gosh. Favorite moment. I love. I'm just a hunger, hunger, pony in love. So yep. Did you like the fact that they had this Elvis soundtrack throughout? Yeah. I didn't understand why they put it in, but I was okay that they did. Well, I mean, you. There's one point in time. It doesn't. It's not very pronounced, but you can kind of hear Elvis singing "Blue Hawaii," because the he did have an album that was he made. He really did make Hawaii that much more famous. Oh, he did. A, he did a whole movie on it, right? Yeah. 
like a couple, I guess. Right. Remember who, when he was all into movies? Have you seen mm-hmm. an Elvis Presley movie? Obviously, you I probably have. have. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, yeah, like that, I think that's one of the main reasons. Even if it weren't, wasn't the same reason, I would be totally okay with the fact that they had all of these Elvis songs in there. In fact, there's one point in time at the very end when they're like traveling and doing all these like the snapshot pictures of their little family. Um, when they go to Graceland, and like my heart sinks. I'm like, I want to go to Graceland so much. <sighs> Someday, anyway. Chelsea. Someday. I almost went one time when I was driving to Nashville, um, but we got there right as it closed, and I was so sad. Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah, I I, I like the Elvis songs, but at the same time, I guess I don't like them. I guess I'm indifferent to them. I think Mm -hmm. they're they're okay, um, but I don't think they make the movie. I mean, I... They do make the movie in the fact that every aspect of this movie is so unique. I mean, there's no traditional songs. You have a few Hawaiian songs, then you have Elvis, then you have space, and then you have, you know, watercolor backgrounds. And it's just this giant hodgepodge of everything. So I guess I'm <laughs> surprised by the fact that Elvis is the lead thing for most of the songs. No one cares about Elvis when there's space involved. <laughs> Elvis, space. They never made a space Elvis movie. Not yet. <gasps> yeah so i think all in all i was very very impressed with this film like i was super entertained i love stitch i love lilo and i think i really enjoyed all of the characters like there wasn't really a character where i was like mm, i don't really relate to this guy or mm, i don't really like i don't really care about these characters but i, I really yeah. did care about these characters like you can really see the struggle with nani trying to like make ends meet you know, and at the same time devote, you know, time and attention to Lilo, who has, you know, you know, who has, you know, she's more complicated to raise and take care of, I guess. (laughs) And now she has to deal with an alien, you know. (laughs) So she deserves mucho respect as a Disney heroine. Yeah. You know, this movie was interesting to me. I like it, but I feel like the last act kind of drags. Hmm. A little bit. Um, I do, like, I think the most interesting parts of this film are just when they're on the island and it's Lilo and her, and her interactions and then Stitch comes in the picture and then we see them interacting. And then I think really once the action starts in this film is where I start to lose a little interest. Um, and then once the action's over, you know, the fighting and, and the bombs and the explosions, and then they're on that beach at the very end, that's when I get interested again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing... It's funny. You think the action would be the one that like keeps your attention, but for me in this film, not so much. I I didn't like it as much. I like the more real moments when they're just sitting and talking. So that very last moment where they're interacting with the aliens, and it's just so bizarre because there's these, you know, the, the two girls, and then there's David, and then there's Stitch, and then there's all these aliens in a giant spaceship, and they're just kind of working it out. Like, yeah, this is no big deal. Like, I do I remember diplomacy. Uh, Roswell, 1973. Oh, yeah. she just saw it. You had hair then. It's like, oh yeah, you had hair back then. Yeah, I love that part. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if anyone else feels that way about the action scenes, but that's when I'm really kind of like, hmm. All right. That's I, a that's a good point because the the third act it it doesn't leave any room for the characters to do their like situation comedy and show off their their quirky personalities. Like Lilo kind of gets a little muted and she turns into like little child in distress towards the end. So I totally get that. That's a good point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I think also you get so used to the pacing that it was before that moment that when it comes to the you know big old chase scene and everything, you kind of are not used to that and you're not expecting that, and it tends to you want to go back to that other pace that you had you know spent the last fifty minutes getting used to. I get you. And it goes right back to that. Yeah, that's right one. Yeah. But then again, if they kept that same humor, then it would kind of be like um, if they kept that humor throughout the like climatic chase sequence at the end, then it would probably be a lot like Emperor's New Groove and kind of like lose the urgency mm-hmm. or like lose the feeling. These are feeling fingers. These Man. are jazz fingers. <laughs> These. So I, I asked our uh, followers on Twitter, I asked, who is your favorite character in Lilo and Stitch and why? Jake. Ooh. He says, Lilo, she's one of the most real, raw, and true characters in animation. Hello. Ben Rose says, Nani, she has the responsibility of two parents and sometimes can't take it, but she always makes ends meet for Lilo. Sad, crying face. Oh, it's true. Screenhog says, favorites are Joomba for being the best kind of evil genius, and Nani for giving the film its heart and family core. Rapunzel de la Torre says, Lilo, she's kooky and yells... All while still being loving and like a real kid. I love the relationship between her and Nani. The Book King says Nani's entire story arc is fascinating, especially looking back on it. I'm able to appreciate it more as an adult. Kimber says Stitch is my favorite Disney character of all time. We got it. Lover in the house. That being said, Lilo and Nani are extremely important to me as sisters. I think a lot of people really do like this film because of this. This was like before Frozen made sister relationships cool. There were Lilo and Nani. Uh, Meg says, Lilo, she's relatable and funny at the same time. Blake break, Blake Riley says, my fave is Nani because she's unappreciated and ahead of her time as a character as a single, strong-willed, motherly figure. Charmaine says, Stitch is my favorite character because of his redemption story. Love Oha- that Ohana means family. Family means no one gets left behind. Uh, Sarah says, Lilo. Shelby says, Myrtle. <laughs> Laurie says, Stitch. And Mark Brown says, Cobra Bubbles. His name is just awesome. <laughs> I love that um, there's quite a range of people who have different feelings on these different characters. There's not one. Uh, Nani obviously seems to be the breakaway character in this, but there's not. It's not just 90% of everyone saying they love Stitch or you know a different character. And I like that there's quite a big variety, which is another reason why I think this film is so successful because all the characters are very watchable and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yep, all the characters are really cool. All right, so if we're going to rate this, um, I'm going to say I'm going to give this four and a half stars. Um, Before, after I watched it just one time, I would have given it four. But after the second two times, I'm like, no, this is four and a half, man. Um, I give it bonus points for getting me all teary-eyed at the end because you really cared about these people. Like you really cared about the family, you cared about Stitch and the fact that he's, you wanted him to stay with them. Um, the movie was funny, but at the same time, the bad guys, oh, they were amazing. Um, but they weren't too over the top. Like Mason made that point earlier. Like it wasn't. I never felt like I was pandered to ever. So that was really good. Um, and the whole thing it was just really, really mature and grabbed me. I I liked the pacing. Um, now, at the time, it didn't resonate with me to the point 
at the beginning, like the first time I ever watched this, it didn't resonate with me that I wanted to watch it over and over and over again. Um, and honestly, I still don't want to watch it over and over and over again. But now I'm okay with watching it over and over again. So it's, I guess, after you have watched it, it grows on you even more. So that's why I give it four and a half. Four and a half. Holy cow. Must have been yeah. the music. Yeah, well, yeah, Elvis, too. Elvis. Chelsea's biased. Aren't I am, all, completely. We're all biased with our own opinions. Who would have thought something like that would happen? All right, <laughs> so I'm going to give it stars. And I really enjoy this movie, but I, like I just said, I do think that it drags a bit for me at the third act. And, and it, I think Mason said it exactly. It's because it sort of deviates from the the humor and the tone that was established, but it's necessary, right? Because we need to get that final battle and everything resolved. Um, I love the humor in this film. I absolutely love the character designs, and I wish, you know, whenever I, we... And because they're so unique and different, I think that's one reason why I love Hercules, because those characters are very unique in their style as well. And, um, you know, a lot of Disney films, more or less, even though they're they're unique and they're different, they can, they kind of all look the same. But this one, I just, the characters really stand out as being different. Like, one that totally stands out to me, and my favorite character in the film... Uh, for any other reason, but the blonde Baywatch lifeguard with <laughs> really, I mean, her thighs are amazing. And she, <laughs> I love her. I would love to have a Chris Sanders drawing of that Baywatch babe. <laughs> um, yeah. So for all those reasons, I love the characters. I love the design. Um, it's not a perfect film for me. It's not one that I need to necessarily go and watch on the regular. However, when it do, when I do see it, I'm always very, you know, I, I, it brings a smile to my face and I do laugh. So four stars. Dang, it's down to me, huh? Um, I'm going to give it four stars as well. It was not the perfect animated film. Everybody's heard my, my, my thing on that. But... Um, I really enjoyed it because of how different it was from from other animated films. I feel like in this era of, you know, Disney Animation Studios, they were trying new things, I guess, or like giving giving their artists more freedom to try new things, you know, like the character designs in Lilo and Stitch, you know. And uh, I really enjoyed... Um, Oh, we didn't even talk about the background or the watercolor lay- backgrounds. Like, Chelsea did a little bit... Um, those are just brilliant. Like as Paul Felix, he did the viz dev for a lot of the concept art and, and, um, and stuff like that. And, uh, his stuff is just amazing. And so like the artwork combined with the humor and the personalities of the characters, um, and the fact that they make like space aliens and Hawaii and orphans work. Like they made them all work in one movie. It just, makes it very solid and so yeah definitely four out of five stars that is a very very good rating all right so we want to hear what some of our audience members think about this film and this was probably one of the most uh voicemail callers that we got for any episode so we are just going to go right into it and there may be some that i don't play so if you sent them in um i'm sorry it's probably because you yeah you're awesome, but there we have like 20 of these. So I just picked a few um, that we could talk about. So our first one is from Rachel, and let's listen to that. 
Hi guys, this is Rachel Wagner and I like Leo and Stitch. Uh, to me, it's a movie that grows on me the more I see it. Um, and one of the things I, I really do like about it is that it is one of the only Disney films that's about a little child, a little girl. Uh, and I guess my question was, why do you think that is? Why do you think most Disney films are about adolescents or young adults as opposed to children? And uh, so thanks for the podcast. Love it and have a great day. I love Rachel um, just in general. She's one of our patrons, but she also has such great voicemails because she always ends with a question. And I think one reason why a lot of films don't focus on children, because I think um, older children, like adolescents or in your teen or young adult years or even adult years, is easier to relate to for most people. But then I think there's sort of this stigma attached to children things that if the main character is a child, then it's it's for children. Um, and I know this is true within you know the the book industry. One way that they categorize whether a piece of work is a children's book or you know YA or adult, uh, part of that is based on the age of the character. So if the book follows a young character, even though it may have somewhat more mature themes. Uh, they'll put it as a children's book or as a YA novel. You know, like um, I know Harry Potter was initially a children's book because the main character was, you know, a child and then turned into more or less children slash YA. Um, so that's kind of my my reasoning. I think most adults maybe just assume little kids as the focus, then it's a little kid show, which is so uh, such a limited view to have because there's so much that can be learned from through the eyes of a child or watching a film about a child who's the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's frustrating as a lover of animation when it gets, it gets stigmatized like that. We all do it. But there's a lot of, you know, made for kids animation out there. So yeah, makes sense. Our next one is from Mark. Hey, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. It's Mark. How are you all doing today? Um, no, I don't have a, another um, limerick poem today, sorry. Uh, I'm just calling because I hear you guys are doing a review of Lilo and Stitch, which I'm looking forward to hearing. Uh, Lilo and Stitch was a movie that I remember when I first saw it when I was young. I really wasn't a fan of it, unlike I know how everyone else was. And I don't know why. The only thing I can think of is that I just never liked the character of Lilo. I found her to be quite bratty for me to like, I guess. But ever since then, my view of the movie has increased, thankfully. I still don't think it's one of my favorite films or... Yeah, it's not one of my favorite films, but I do respect it a lot more. And my favorite character in the film, I think, is Cobra Bubbles, just because that's a cool name, Cobra Bubbles. So anyway, yeah, uh, looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about the movie. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Mark. Our next one's Gabby. Hi, Rotoscopers. I'm Gabby. I was really happy when I heard you were doing a podcast on Lilo and Stitch, as it's one of my favorite Disney movies, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think of it. I remember the first time I heard of this movie was when I went to see Ice Age, and the trailer before the feature presentation was one of the hilarious Disney crossovers with Stitch, in this case, Aladdin. 
I remember at first being confused and then laughing so hard when this adorable blue koala bear thing popped up out of nowhere and flirted with Jasmine. When I finally saw Lilo and Stitch later that year, I loved everything about it. The animation, the gorgeous watercolour backgrounds, the music and songs. My mum loved the Elvis Presley song list. The setting of Hawaii and especially the characters. Not just Stitch, but Lilo and Nanny were lovable and relatable and Jump and Pleakley were very funny. I could go on and on about what else I like, but that would make this message too long. So I'll just end with this. Have any of you guys seen the Lilo and Stitch TV series and the sequel? I actually thought the sequel was pretty good and it had a very emotional ending, though I'm not so keen on Dakota Fanning replacing Davy Chase as Lilo. As for the TV series, it was fun, sort of like Pokemon, and apparently very popular in Japan, like Stitch himself. Anyway, see you guys in the next podcast. Bye! Um, going off of mentioning that she said it was is really big in Japan, um, I did see an interview with uh, Chris Sanders how later on, years after he had done Lilo and Stitch, he was in Japan, and it happened to be on June 26th, and they were, everyone was like, you have to say something, it's Stitch Day here, and everyone is crazy about Stitch, so you have to say something. He's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and he was so like taken back the fact that Stitch was everywhere, even years later. But um, as far as seeing the... I have not seen the sequel. I have not seen the sequel, but I have seen the uh, cartoon. And like I mentioned before, the cartoon was... It was fun. Um, I probably would have liked it more as a child than I do now, but <laughs> it looks cool. Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Katie sending you a voicemail for your Lilo and Stitch episode. I have loved Lilo and Stitch for as long as I can remember. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. Stitch is probably one of my favorite Disney characters. He's just so loyal, and he's, of course, adorable. He's like Land's best friend, 2.0. I also watched the second and third Lilo and Stitch. They're not as bad as some of the other Disney sequels that belongs to Mulan 2. That animation just, it's horrible. Their mouths get all huge and ugh, don't like it. But you can only watch it so many times before you get really bored about it. Like, I don't know. Um, I used to be able to watch it tons of times, and then it was just got so repetitive, and I didn't like it. I used to be afraid of when Stitch's eyes went all green, and but that was a long time ago. It also used to make me cry when Stitch got all, like, passed out and stuff, and I was just like, oh, Disney... You kill me. I also used to watch the animated show about Lilo and Stitch, the one where they had to round up all of Jumba's previous experiments. It was especially fun when they crossed over from all of the other um, animated series of the times. They crossed over with Kim Possible, American Dragon Jake Long, Recess, and The Proud Family. And it was, like, the best for me. It was just like, ah, my childhood. It's back, and I don't know. I just miss him so much. Um, I was wondering what your guys' favorite experiment was. If you've seen the series, mine is obviously Stitch, but besides that, I like the Baby of Fire and the Freeze Guy. Let me know what you guys think. I can't wait for your episode. Bye. Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Crystal. I'm really excited to hear that you guys are doing Lilo and Stitch. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. I love the animation. I love the watercolor backgrounds that they did on Hawaii. Um, the humor is fantastic. I love the character Lilo. I love Stitch. I love the plot. 
and the redemption story and emphasizing family and friendship. And it's just a beautiful, wonderful movie that everyone should see. And the music is pretty incredible, too. Not just all the Elvis songs, but the Hawaiian songs uh, in incorporation of Hawaiian culture. Uh, this movie came out back when I was in high school, and it's the sort of movie I wish I could have seen at a much younger age. It might have helped me out a lot because Lilo is such a weird little kid, and I would have liked to be friends with her, and I felt like her um, a lot of times. I love her character design, that she's Native Hawaiian. I love the relationship she has with her sister. It's not unlike the relationship I have with my three siblings. And my niece really loves this movie, too. She's loved it since she was four, at least until Frozen came along. And she loves the soundtrack. It's something I get to play for her every time we go for a car ride. She will just request the opening song, Hemele non Lilo, or the Hawaiian roller coaster ride. So I just cue those up for before I even start the car, really. <laughs> so I look forward to hearing your thoughts. And I... Wanted to thank you for all your hard work, uh, Morgan, Chelsea, and Mason. Thank you. Um, bye. Hey, Rotoscopers. This is Ellen, and I'm calling to leave a voicemail about the Lilo and Stitch episode. I'm so excited that you guys decided to do an episode about Lilo and Stitch because I think it's such an underrated Disney movie. It holds a special place in my family's heart because growing up, it was one of my sister's favorite movies, and we would watch it all the time. Also, we're Hawaiian, so it was really cool to see our culture represented in a Disney movie. And, like, even though we didn't live in Hawaii, my sister and I danced hula as kids, so it was awesome to see ourselves in the character of Lilo. Speaking of Lilo, I love the relationship between her and Nani. I just think that sister relationship is so powerful and so heartfelt. And I actually think Nani is one of the most realistic characters in a Disney movie which is surprising because it's a science fiction plot, but Lilo, Nani, the boyfriend, I think his name's Daniel, are all such realistic characters to me, and I love the relationship between the three of them. Um, also, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride is one of the greatest songs in a Disney movie, so overall, Lilo and Stitch is 4.75 stars for me. Um, I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts about it. Thanks for all that you do. Bye. Hello, Rotoscopers. Scrippers. My name's Stitch. Kidding, it's me, Sarah, and I'm here to leave a voicemail for your Lilo and Stitch episode. Um, this used to be one of my favorite movies, um, well, up until recently, and when I rewatched it, it was just a little bit too sad for me, but I really like the relationships in this episode, and, I mean, in this movie, not episode, and, um, and, it's like Laura Punchbutter, and it's just a really solid movie that I would probably watch again pretty soon. And anyways, decide with a short voicemail. Bye, guys. Love you. Hello, Rotoscopers. It's Adriana. It's been a long time since I sent in a review to you guys, but I knew with Lilo and Stitch being the movie on the podcast, I had to do one. Um, I've been waiting since 2013 for you guys to do Lilo and Stitch on the podcast, and I'm super excited to hear your guys' reviews. If you don't like the movie, I might be a little bit upset, but you know, I've never actually met someone who absolutely hates Lilo and Stitch. So, okay. I'm going to go right off and say that I give this movie five stars. I just love this movie. It's so relatable. 
and emotional and it's so funny and quotable and it's just it's just such a fun movie and it has such emotional depth that you don't think it would have for like such a funny looking movie from the outside you know the scene where Nani and Lilo are saying goodbye like in the hammock is one of my favorite scenes in Disney animation and it's so beautifully done I love how quotable this movie is. I know there's the Johanna quote that's on every hipster blog on Tumblr, but, you know, there's quotes like, I hate this planet, and this is your badness level. It's incredibly high for someone your size. And have you ever killed anyone? I love the Elvis songs. I love the montages. I just I just love this movie, guys. You, like, you don't understand how much I adore Lilo and Stitch. My brother and I came up with a ridiculous Disney crossover theory, we were watching Monsters University and Lilo and Stitch kind of back-to-back, and we noticed how Dean Hardscrabble and the leader of the Intergalactic Alien Alliance, like, they looked alike and they kind of sounded alike. Well, I mean, like, they don't really look that much alike, but their faces kind of looked alike. And we were like, oh, what if they were related? Wouldn't that be cool? And we were like, oh, crap, what if they actually are related? And the monsters from Monsters, Inc. are actually the aliens from Lilo and Stitch. So here's how we think that the two worlds are related. In the Lilo and Stitch TV show, Jumba and the Experiments were living on Earth. And we we were like, well, what if they got like a little too rowdy? So the Intergalactic Alien Alliance made Jumba build a portal to another dimension where they couldn't bother humans as much. And Jumba invented this like way to go between dimensions, which eventually led to the doors. And he also came up with the... He, he f- discovered the scream energy too and so he took all his his experiments to this other dimension and they'd come back and you know steal scream energy and you know go back and forth and over time while they were in this alternate dimension they became more monster-like and that's our little crazy crossover theory and i can't wait to hear your guys's review on the podcast elvis presley was a model citizen i've compiled a list of his traits for you to practice number one is dancing. You look like an angel. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. But I got wise. You're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are. Devil in disguise. Thank you guys for everybody um, who's come in and sent us voicemails. We've had probably more than we've ever gotten before, and it's really cool. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Mason and I were going to take over the endings, ending remarks here. Um, for show notes and anything that is coming our way, you get, you want to find that at rotoscopers.com slash 106. Be sure to comment and leave reviews. I'm on there. I'll get on there, and I always look at your guys' comments and try to talk back, and Mason and Morgan do as well. So we love hearing from you guys there. Also, if you're on Twitter, make sure to use the hashtag uh, hashtag AnimAddicts or AnimAddicts106. And then also you can... Like we were saying, for voicemails, to continue to send voicemails, um, it's going to be at 406-646-6575, or you can just go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. Um, supporting the show is really easy. All you have to do is 
type in rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. You can head on over there and join the Roto Nation. We love being able to talk with everybody on all of the, the Facebook group. We are always, there's always somebody making really cool conversations on there. So I'm, I love that. Mason, are we able to hear you? Morgan, are you guys back? So, okay. I'll just finish things off then. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I don't know if y'all can hear me, but I can't hear anything anymore. I'm sorry. My headphones oh, you don't can hear work. Me? I've been can... trying for the past five minutes and smiling like everything is okay and that I'm like I'm listening. <laughs> well, I hear you. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yay! <laughs> to all of those people who have given us five-star reviews on iTunes, thank you. We like seeing you and talking to you guys. Social media, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, everything. You can check me out on Chelsea Robson on Twitter. You can also go to my website, ChelseaRobson.com. You can do Morgan Straddling on Twitter and also Instagram. You can also check her out on the Snapchat. Uh, Mason, you can find him on Twitter at MasonSMTX and also this AnimatedLife.blogspot.com. Our next episode... We are very excited. Our next episode is going to be Cloudy with a Chance of Maples. This was actually something that we've really been looking forward to. So I'm definitely, if you guys have any type of um, voicemails for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, number one, please send those to us. We can't wait to hear from you guys. And then following that, we also have the Penis movie. So looking forward to all these fun things. All right, guys. Is there anything else you guys want to pantomime toward me that I can share? The title. Oh, yeah. So right now we are going to do a fun thing. Um, we are going to be recording our the title. Normally, I'll do this afterward, uh, but I wanted to invite all of the people who are on the chat. What do you guys want the title of this episode to be? So go ahead. I mean, thinking about some of the funny, cool things that we talked about. Let's see. Elvis was pretty prominent through our discussion. What else did we do? Any ideas out there? Bait and stitch, Morgan says. <laughs> I think we're gonna do that one. Yes. <laughs> All in favor, say aye. Aye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. Are we saying goodbye? Yep. I can't hear anything. 